I want to talk to you this afternoon about something that is truly, I believe, a misunderstanding. Not in Seventh-day Adventism alone, but in Christianity. Uh, it is something that happens, and we have a misconcept of God. Most people, when you think about, they will tell you, God is in control of everything. Nothing happens that God isn't in control of. Whatever happens is because of God has a better plan, and if you could just see what that plan is and know what He's doing, then, then you would find out it's for the better good. You ever heard any of this stuff, you know? Yeah, you know... After a meeting one night, lady came up. She said, I'd like to believe, you know, the things you teach about love. She says, but when I was in Sunday school, I went up to my Sunday school teacher and I asked him about why doesn't God answer prayers? Now, I know the Sunday school teacher probably thought they were doing the right thing but without asking the girl what she was praying about, he said, well, you're probably not being specific enough. You need to be more specific. So the girl went home and began to pray, giving explicit instructions on how to find her house and get to it. She then gave explicit instructions that when you opened the front door, how did you find your way to her room. She even went so far as to explain what her father and brothers would be wearing when they molested her. But God never stopped it. She put up with it until she finally moved out when she was 14 years of age. Why didn't God answer prayer? You know, another one, a 16-year-old girl says, I'd like to believe the things that you say about the love of God. She says, but if God loves me and answers prayer, why was I raped a year ago? Huh? Some tough stuff. Uh, Herb told me one time in one of his meetings, he said, I had a lady get out of her seat, come walking right straight up during the meeting. And he says, I know a lot. A lot of preachers exaggerate. This was no exaggeration, he said. She got right in my face with her finger and she said, don't you dare tell me God loves me when he would let my father, who was a minister, molest me. How do you answer these kind of questions, folks? It's a, it's a subject nobody wants to talk about, I guarantee you. you know. And, and when you think about it, what happens? Because of our traditional culture in Christendom, what do we tell people? We tell them this. I, I wrote down. I want, don't want to misquote it. If God wanted to uh, prevent it, prevent something, he would. He could have, but since he didn't, he must have wanted it to happen. I want you to know something. That's four lies. That is not God's character at all. 
Everything happens for a divine reason. Evil happens for a divine good. If evil happens, it must have been for the greater good. In evil, God is up to something, and they were willing to put up with the tragedy simply because God had knows best, and this leads us to number four, and the most dangerous. There is no evil. Now just think about that. You know, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 5 in light of this because there's an answer in here when we see this. Isaiah chapter 5. And too many times I have heard Christians say, well, I know right now you can't see the good in it, but when God pulls the curtain back, He'll show you what the good was in it. You know, if there can possibly be any good in some of the atrocities that happen, I'd like to know how. How would rape or child molestation serve any good? Can you explain that to me? I can't either. You know, it is absolutely against God's nature to do that. Now, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 says this, and we need to be really careful because we can actually blaspheme without even thinking about it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. How many times have I heard pastors and church members, you know, make that comment? I know you don't see it right now, but there must have been a reason. And one day you'll know what the, what the reason was. That's baloney, folks. That is not God's character. You understand that. You know, I, one verse just came to mind. James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. We see here in James 1, and what does it tell us? Uh, I didn't want verse 5, I want verse 17, so I was close. In verse 16 it says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. How? Every good gift comes Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from where? The Father. It says of lights too. With whom no variableness, neither is there shadow of turning. All good comes from where? God. To be able to understand this, these subjects, we have to go back and get a correct understanding of God. You see, God is love. That's His whole character. And love, in the light of what God is, is other-centeredness. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You know? We have self-centeredness, but God is other-centeredness. When God 
and the sun got together and wanted to create. They created in their own image. But in so doing, to really love, he had to give them free choice. Now when we turn around and say, God's in control... Do you realize that control and free choice are two absolute opposites? You know that. I mean, think about it for a minute. If I got up and I told my wife when to get up and when to go to bed, uh, you know, that she had to cook breakfast and what she was going to cook, and she had to wear this, this, and this, and, uh, you know, she, uh, uh, when she went shopping, she could only buy these things. And, uh, and so, would you say I was a loving husband? No, you'd say I was a control freak. Amen? Are you beginning to get the picture? If, if I say, now listen, I'm going to give you two choices. A and B. And, and whatever choice you want, That's the one you're going to live with. Are you with me? Now, I told you that, but I want you to choose A. I'm going to do everything in my power to get you to choose A. And when you choose B, I don't allow it and still give you A. Did you ever really have a choice? No. You understand? Never had a choice. You have to have the right to pick B, even though what you're picking is not what I wanted for you. Are you beginning to understand that? You see, we read in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we find here a famous thing. We talked a little bit about it last night. And we discover the prayer that Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Now let me ask you, where unquestionably is God's will done in heaven? How do we know that? Why would Jesus ask us to pray that His will would be done here on this earth? Why even ask it if He's in control? That's because He isn't in control. Do you understand that? He gave the control to His creation. And to really have a love relationship, the creation has to to be able to accept B and ignore what God wants. Do you understand that? If we don't understand it, then God becomes a ruling, controlling tyrant. If everything that happens works for the better good... I want to know what is the good in child molestation. And if you follow that through, you know, heaven can be a little scary. 
If there's some kind of good in that, and we all want to go to heaven because there's going to be good, but if good can be in child molestation, I'm not positive I want to go. It's bad enough here. If God's responsible for it, amen? I'm trying to keep you awake, Bruce. <laughs> in today's postmodern world, we must understand why so many of our young people are turned off by religion. It's because every church on every corner, in almost every block, in every city in the world, preach God is love. Well, if God is love and He's in control, how can He do this? If that's the kind of God y'all worship, I don't want anything to do with Him. Do you understand why there's such a problem with our young people today? You know, we, we can try to impress them with Daniel 2, and, and we can talk about the mark of the beast, but I'm going to tell you something. Why would they want to go to heaven where God is also in control? Am, am I reaching you here? Okay. Things we've done as Seventh-day Adventists for years... <laughs> We've done expecting the same results. It ain't happening today. We're not scaring anybody into heaven. Hello? Okay? The mark of the beast is not going to bring people in and make them children of God. It may make them have a membership in the Seventh-day Adventist church. That don't mean you're a child of God. You're not saved because you're a member. I'm telling you, you've got a greater responsibility than those out there. Responsibility to do what? Tell them what God's really like. That's our responsibility. And when we begin to think about what is done, I spent 30 years in the insurance industry. You still hear it on the, on the television. It was an act of God. God gets the blame. But it wasn't God's fault. You understand? God gave away the control. See, there's things that happen that God can do. And there's things that happen God cannot do. He can't go against the person's free choice. And that's what makes it so difficult for people to understand. God gave us the right to be in our own control unless we choose him and give him the control. If we look at Daniel chapter 10, I want you to notice Daniel chapter 10. There's something here that maybe you've read and maybe you paid, it, you paid attention, maybe it affected you, and maybe you didn't when you actually read it because it was different. Beginning in verse 12, Daniel 10 and verse 12. The Bible tells us this. Angel Gabriel comes, right? And he says, Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou hast 
did, uh, did it set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before, the lower, before God? Thy words were heard, and I have come for thy word. So Daniel was praying. He wasn't sure his prayer was being heard. He kept on praying. Gabriel goes on and says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now that's like saying the prince of this world. Y'all know who it's talking about. Huh? Everybody knows? Everybody say it out loud. That way I know you're still awake. Satan. Satan. Okay, good. (laughs) But the prince withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, who's Michael? Came to help me, who's me? Gabriel. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understanding what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is many days. Now you've got to understand something. Daniel started praying because he didn't understand the 2300-day vision. And he began to pray. And pray. And pray. And pray. <laughs> Bible says he prayed for 21 days. Can you imagine what would have happened if he stopped praying on the 20th day? Satan, wouldn't say, Satan would say, Ah, Daniel don't need you anymore. You might as well go home. Hello? Could the devil then, with his own free choice, stop Gabriel from coming and answering the prayer? Obviously so. What did he have to do? Michael had to come and help him. See, Michael already met Lucifer. He already won there too. Amen? And so, but Michael came and they confronted with the devil and on day 21, Gabriel went to Daniel. You know, how many times do we pray and we get to the point and say, well, I guess it must not be God's will. I haven't heard anything. You know? Maybe, you're, maybe the devil's keeping God from answering your prayer. Am I making it plain? You know, and then there are those that think when we pray, the reason for prayer is to turn God into a vending machine. You know, prayer in, gift out, you know. Come on. That's not the way it works. You know, the Bible says be persistent in prayer. Isn't that right? Why does it say persistent? You know, we can even, we can even have other people, you know, to, to pray also. That doesn't really add, you know, any more weight with God. All it does is, I've got this groups on my side. Are you with me? You know, we, we need to understand God hears our prayers. And there are things God can do and does prevent. There are things that happens that God would like to prevent and cannot. Now there are those things we need to understand that are little tragedies that happen at tried in the fire. What's the purpose? To build our character. Now I said little tragedies. There is absolutely no way that child molestation belongs in that group. That's almost blasphemous to make the statement. And, and, and yet, 
there has to be a reason. The reason behind it is because God made free creation. From the angels to each one of us. God put us in charge. We have the ability, even though God wants us to pick A, (laughs) He cannot stop us nor will He prevent us if we pick B. It might make Him sad. You may pay a ransomed price for picking B, but He has to respect it even though that's not what He wants. And when we get into something like child molestation, it's a hard, shameful thing. It's an atrocity that I'd like to take the guy out and use a rusty tomato can lid where to do the most good, okay? And yes, hope he gets an infection. You know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be that way. I'm supposed to be a Christian in love, but I'm telling you, I'll love him after there's not going to be that problem ever again, Now you know why I'm not God, right? But anyway, folks, there's others involved in this and God has to, whether he likes it or not, respect the choice that people make. Respect even the choice that Satan and his angels make. We have stories in the Bible, you've talked about it a week ago in your your Sabbath school class, about Job, you know? What in the world did Job do wrong? You know, and they talk about, you know, God took everything but a nagging wife, you know. But man, oh man, if, if you lost all of your children, wouldn't you be upset, moms? Okay, I know I would. What did he do wrong? Satan showed up. God said, what are you doing here? This is a meeting of the, of the world, Right? Satan's there. He says, I've came from the earth. In other words, what's he saying? I'm representing the earth. He said, well, why are you here? I mean, why don't you consider Job? He's a righteous man. And Satan says, oh, yeah, right. The only reason Job serves you at all is because you've given him everything. And you take it away from him and watch. He won't love you or serve you. And God says, I don't believe that. He said, you can do it. God didn't do it. Who did it? Satan. Okay, and so he took everything that Job had. Next time he comes back, what was the same answer? How come you're here? Why not Job? Oh, well, you know, if you'll touch his health, watch him curse you. And God says, no, I don't believe that. You can do everything but take his life. Did God prevent something? Prevented him from taking his life. Reduced him to ashes sitting underneath the tree with three self-righteous elders telling him what he needed to do. Maybe you've had some of them self-righteous elders working with you. I know not in this church, but there are some. Folks, nothing that Job did would cause any of it. Why did it happen? Because God made even Lucifer with free choice. And whether God likes it or not, he has to respect the free choice of the angels as well as the free choice of us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think that 
the Lord doesn't use rusty tomato can lids. But it says, those that offend these, it would be better if they hadn't been born because it's going to be like tying a millstone around their neck and throwing them into the sea. You know, I don't believe hell burns forever. I believe it very well could burn for at least, you know, 24 hours. And I believe those who have molested children will not die instantly. Hello? I believe the last one to die in that fire is going to be Lucifer. God is a God of love. And that He will ultimately punish those who have chosen B. Okay? Because that was the choices they made. As we begin to see and picture the predicament that God is in. I mean, why in the world would God want to make a world and then give away His right to run it the way it should be run? Now, it's easy with hindsight. Y'all know that, don't you? It's easy for us to look back and say, Adam, you had to be the dumbest thing walked on two feet. You know, but the men will come back and say, now, wait a minute, it was Eve that did it. Yeah. You know, I've actually had, I've actually had people tell me, well, you know, Eve was deceived, right? But rather than lose her, Adam chose to suffer whatever fates he had. Doesn't that sound wonderful? We have such a definition of love today. How in the world do you love a Big Mac? Give me a break. The word is misused so much that it's lost its meaning. It really has lost its meaning. And so when we're looking at these things and we begin to find love, <laughs> what happened when it came down to nitty-gritty? What did Adam say? Y'all remember? It wasn't my fault. It's that woman you made for me. Huh? And then what did the woman say? Wait a minute now. Don't blame me. You were the one that made the snake. It's called pass the buck. Hello? And one thing that we have to get to a point with our relationship with Jesus Christ is admit it's our fault. If you're a liar, you might as well admit you're a liar because he knows it anyway. All right? You're not fooling him. And so if we do those things, then we begin to understand that when love comes into play, love has effects. You know, some people want guarantees. You know? It's amazing when people want guarantees. Ed, I don't know how long you and Carol have been together. I have no idea. I'm assuming for a while. You know, when you met her and you decided to say, I do, you realize what you gave away. Huh? <laughs> to get that? Now... Did you have any assurance it was going to work out, Carol? No, you didn't have any assurance. And, and I'm sure in your relationship, 
There's times when you did things you didn't particularly want to. Maybe you had to cook something a little different than what he did because his mama did it the other way, you know. <laughs> but why did you do it? Because you loved him. Amen? I mean, folks, you know, you realize in a love relationship, it's the little things that count, not the big things. Did you know that? You can go out and buy your wife a brand new washing machine. Now, she'll like it, but she knows she's still got to wash your clothes, too. You know? You can go downtown, come home with a brand new car and say, Honey, look what I bought you. She'll like it, but she knows you're going to drive it, too. Hello? But now, if you stop down at the store and buy a bottle of Estee Lauder's Private Reserve, Cost a lot less than a washing machine, guys. And take it home to her. She's going to know you were thinking just of her. Why? You don't, shouldn't, wear Estee Lauder's private reserve. Amen? You know? It's the little things in a relationship that make all the difference in the world. I remember we were having company come to stay, and and my wife was busily trying to get ready. And I walked in and I said, honey, what can I do to help you? After she resumed consciousness, she says, really? And I said, yeah. She said, well, I need to go to the store. She said, would you take the clothes out of the dryer, out of the washing machine, put them in the dryer, and would you do the dishes? She said, that would help me immensely. And I said, yeah, sure, honey, no problem. You know, and so she, you know, went down to the store, left and took the car. I went in and took the clothes out of the, you know, washer and stuck them in the dryer, turned that on. That was tough. I walked in and started to run the water in the sink to wash the dishes. And when I looked out the window, I saw the yard. And I thought, wow, that really needs to be mowed. So I went outside, fired up the lawnmower, and I mowed the lawn and edged it just about the time she came back, you know. And I went over and helped pick up the groceries and carried them into the kitchen, and she walked in. She looked at the sink and looked at me. She said, I thought you were going to help me. I said, well, honey, I put the clothes in the dryer, and I came in here to, to wash the dishes, and I looked out and saw the lawn, and I figured it needed, I said, doesn't the lawn look nice? She says, oh, yeah, it looks great, but you didn't do what I asked you to. I'll tell you what, I don't know if anybody ever washed dishes faster than I did. Do you understand that's love? And when you love someone, you know, you cannot control them. If I had the ability to make a computer chip that I could stick with some adhesive behind a woman's right ear that would make her love me, does she really? What's making her love me? Well, but who made the computer chip? So who's making her love you? Why? Because I'm selfish. Does that make sense? I'm selfish. If a woman is going to love you with all of her heart, you have no choice but to take a chance. Hello? 
It's that simple. You've got to be willing to take a chance. That's what God did. God loves you with all of His heart. He doesn't want anything but good for you. It says over in 3 John verse 2, I want you to prosper both in health and spirit. All good comes from God. God wants you to be in heaven. You understand that? God wants the evil to be done with and He wants you to have everything you've always wanted. But you've got to choose it to be real love. Because if he forced it, he wouldn't have real love, would he? There are tragedies that happen in this world that are absolute tragedies. And please, don't blame God because, well, it happened. But one of these days, you're going to know what the greater good was for that. Listen, there's an enemy. Do you understand? I want to read it to you. Uh, let's see, Matthew, what, chapter 13? I think I wrote it down. Yeah. I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, Matthew 13, verse 28. I try to have all these memorized, but sometimes I don't. Matthew 13, verse 28. We find here Jesus himself makes a statement that we need to understand what the statement means because it was in the form of a parable. And a parable is a spiritual connotation, you know, a story with a spiritual connotation or lesson. And we read here in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 28, I want you to notice what he says, okay? Um, Yeah, who did it? An enemy. Who did these atrocities that happen? An enemy. God has an enemy. It's a real honest-to-goodness war. And with that type of a, of a thing that we have, we, we can see that in this war, even though God would do everything within His power to try to get someone not to do something, He still cannot take away that person's choice to do it. Otherwise, he uses control when he wants to, and he gives you free choice when he wants to. You know, I've even heard some church members make this comment, and it just tears me up. Well, the ends justify the means. I don't think anything ends justify the means in any circumstance. Do you? You know? Where is the justification in rape? Please explain that to me. I want to know where's the greater good in that. There isn't any. So who did it? The enemy. Not God. If God could have prevented it, He would have prevented it, but you understand He would have had to have gone against the other person's free Choice. And you can't give free choice when you want to and withhold it when you don't want to because then guess what? It really isn't free choice. You know, nature, the nature of God in itself. You know, a triangle by nature has what? Three sides. A circle has how many sides? Two, inside and outside. Okay? Now, could God take a circle 
and make it into a triangle? Sure. Sure. Would it be a circle anymore? It would be what? You see, there's the nature of something. You understand? And if you change something, it's not that anymore. God's nature is love, which is other-centeredness. If you change that into a controller, it is no longer love. Good or bad. Now, one day, God's only going to put up with it for so long. Every person on the face of the earth has made a choice, and God's going to stop it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? Now, how do we know what God is like? I want you to go over to Acts, and I want you to notice something. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we begin in verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now I want you to notice. He went into a town. He healed how many? All that were oppressed by who? The devil. Now, Jesus went in and there was... Did he say, listen, if you accept I'm who I am, then I'll heal you? No, he just... He healed. I have came to set the captives free. And he did it. You know there's only one place he didn't do it? Anybody remember where that was? In his hometown. And you know why if we look up the verse? Because of their unbelief. Can a person's choice affect for an eternity? Yes, absolutely. We were talking about it in Sabbath school this morning. Can we pray for our children that they would accept the Lord and be in heaven? Absolutely. Will God do everything in His power to help answer that prayer? Even if the child don't want God there? Yes, because God will honor your request to go, you know, mix in in their life. Are you with me? But can that child make their own church that would affect them I mean, own choice that would affect them not only today, but for eternity? You see, our choices last for an eternity. It's not God. If God had His power and He was in control, He could save everybody, if that's what we want to call it. But how many people would be there and not be happy? Wasn't their choice to be there. Are you with me? Huh? Oh yeah, sure. But the whole thing of it is, God will make a difference if we allow Him to do it. When we see these things, I want you to look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we discover here, reading in verse uh, 9 and 10... 
He says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. The only way to truly judge God the Father is through Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus is the one that makes the difference. We can see what happens. God doesn't arbitrarily pick people. Jesus healed everybody. Both from the illnesses, the sicknesses, those that were possessed. He healed them all. Unquestionably, no requirements, didn't have to accept Him. He healed them all. Would God do that? Yes. But He can't. Why? Unbelief. Are you with me? I mean, we find John 5, verse 19. John 5, and verse 19. I get over there yet. Jesus made this statement. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do how much? Nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, thee also doeth the Son likewise. When Jesus was doing something, why was he doing it? Because that's what his Father does. Are you beginning to see the character? And yet there's so many people like we talked about this morning. You know, we're saved because of Jesus' love and mercy. But God's a tyrant sitting up there just waiting for us to step out of line. And bang, we've, we've had it. Many Christians feel that way, folks. But it's not true. I'm with you all. It's warm in here. I don't care. At least I'm glad I'm not the only one, Elbert's back there fanning himself. You know. <laughs> It's not true. God doesn't work like that. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Go back to John chapter 1. And we read in verse 8. John, uh, John chapter 1. I'll bet you I want First John because that's not the verse I want. <laughs> He was not the light, that was speaking of John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness to the light. Who is the light? Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? All right. Now, verse 11, while we're still there. He, Jesus, right, came unto his own, and we always talk about the Jewish people. Who are God's own? Who's all? Everybody. Would you agree with that? Yeah. All right. So Jesus, the Word, who became flesh, who was also the Creator with God the Father, okay, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become what? Sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on His name. Does that make sense? Okay, what would be the criteria of being saved? Just accepting that he came and loved you. 
And He wants you to be there. The same as God the Father wants you to be there. There is no discrepancy with God. And it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I don't understand this. But, and it's almost beyond my comprehension. Do you understand that God loves the child molester too? And Jesus died for him too? That amazes me. You know? We get to heaven. There's going to be three surprises. First surprise is you're there. Second surprise, the one you talked about and you knew wasn't going to be there, they're there too. Third surprise is the one you knew was going to make it ain't there. And we as human beings have a very bad habit of using a three-letter word. We would be better off not when it comes to God. It begins with a W and ends with a Y. Anybody know what the word is? Why? Do you understand that when you even think the word, let alone express it, you realize who you're bringing into question? God. You know, does God allow that? Yes. You know, God's big enough for this question. We don't have to worry about it. God's big enough to let us pound on his chest if we have to. That's how much he loves us. So God's going to go open the books. And you'll be able to sit there and read Aunt Matilda's name. And you'll just say, wow, I I just wouldn't believe that she wouldn't be here. But I can see where she made choices for herself and not for God. Listen, is there going to be tears in heaven? Absolutely. You know, if I get to heaven and my son isn't there, you don't think I'm going to be happy about that, do you? You think God sheds tears? Absolutely. But at the end of the thousand years, tears will be wiped away. That's wonderful that we have to look forward for that. But folks, we think of heaven being such a happy, wonderful place, and it is. But there's going to be tears in heaven. And we're going to see that God even tried to intervene. God tried to stop what was going to be happening. God tried to reach that person. He did everything He could do, and yet they chose their own way. You know, I believe it shows a bigger loving God than we even imagine when we begin to understand what God has done in relationship to free choice. You know, sometimes people say, that's really complex. You want me to tell you what's complex? (laughs) All the millions of people on the face of this earth and every cotton-picking one of them having a free choice. That makes confusion and complex. Not God. God's easy to figure out. And yet, God gets blamed. I hope that, you know, during the last three meetings that we've had together, I hope you're beginning to get a little bit different picture of what God is, how much He loves you, and how much He just wants to be your friend. How many of you have ever... uh, There's a difference, and I know you can relate to it, but how many of you have ever 
thought of God the Father as a daddy. Have you ever thought of God as a daddy? Now, you all know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between father and daddy, isn't there? You know, oh, father loves you, but there's a difference when you can crawl up in daddy's lap, tell him anything you want to, and he just holds you and tells you everything's going to be all right. I hope you can get to think of God the Father as your daddy. Okay, a good daddy. Oh, well, maybe that's a bad connotation for you, Ken. It's not for me, okay? Let's put it this way. In the definition of what a daddy should be, okay, I hope you can think of God the Father as your daddy. We can come to God the Father. Jesus said, come boldly before the throne of grace. Well, who sits on the throne, folks? God the Father. Where's Jesus? High priest in front of God the Father. Are you with me? And Jesus said, listen, you come boldly. Your daddy's more than willing to listen to you, comfort you. He loves you with a love greater than you can imagine. And free choice proves it. Free choice proves it. It's what makes a love relationship real. You know, I've seen marriages, you know, the husband is one of those that, you know, everything has to be done a certain way and everything's got to be in a certain place. And if you don't, you're in big trouble. You think that's love? Oh, and I've no, I'll stand up for us, guys. The other side of this coin, I've seen wives won't leave their poor husband alone. Nag, 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 nag. That really makes a love relationship too, doesn't it? Okay. It's got to be a two-way street. And it's even greater two-way street with God. Don't, I, I firmly believe this. I believe God could have, but He chose not to. And why? God could have went to Satan, zap! And that would have been the end of him. You understand He had that power? He couldn't use it. Why? Everybody else would have figured, boy, you better not step out of line. God's in control and you're going to get it. You see that? I love to say God had to let Lucifer have enough rope to hang himself. (laughs) I was hoping he'd shorten it sooner, but anyway... I want to bring this to a close. I I want you to understand, when, when people ask you, why did this, whatever it is, happen? Why did God let it happen? It may not have been because God had control. Do you understand that? It might have been. One day we'll know. We'll be able to go to Him and say, why did this happen? And God will be able to open the books and show that he did every possible thing to divert it. But because of a free choice, he couldn't do anything. If that doesn't tell you how much God loves you, there's a problem with you. Okay? And what do we need to do as Seventh-day Adventists? You know, we need to show the world God the Father. 
and give them a real, honest picture of God the Father. Not a false one that Christianity has come up with because there are too many Christians say what I said when I started out. It was for the greater good. The ends justify the means. Not my God, it doesn't. And we'll be able to see why, what happened, and not for the greater good that it happened to the person. There is no way that evil and atrocities like that can show any good for any person. Would you agree with that? Can't be. But God respects free choice. Without it, he would not be God. He took a pretty big chance, didn't he? The best part of it is he loves us enough. One of these days he's going to put an end to it. And whatever pain or suffering or whatever you've been through or someone you know has been through, you're the winner. They're the loser. Do you understand that? It still was a tragedy. Nothing can ever change that it was a tragedy. But you're going to end up being the winner because God loves you. Any questions so far what we've covered last night and today? I mean, I know preachers don't like to put themselves on the spot and say, ask me questions, particularly not from the floor. They want you to put it in a box so they can read them first, you know. If you got any questions, listen, if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. But, you know, if you got a question, let's talk about it. How many of you understand how much God loves you? You know, just know you're more than conquerors. You've already won the war. Heaven is yours. You know Jesus had it all wrong. Did you know that? According to the world standard, he was completely an idiot. What was it somebody said last night or this morning? He was either what? A lunatic or a liar, and, and what would you say? I like to say, or a lover. Lunatic, liar, or a lover. Yeah. God is a lover, and he lets things happen. In this world, from the time we're this size, we learn about rewards. A baby cries, what happens? Get something stuck in its mouth. Crying, eat. Oh, I got that one. Huh? <laughs> you know, it gets a little older, and, it, and if you leave me alone, I'll give you a cookie. <laughs> and I'm performing, I get my cookie, you know. The older they get, they say, listen, if you'll clean your room, I'll give you... I probably can't even get it for a half a dollar anymore, but anyway, tell my age. But, you know, I'll give you $5. Oh, okay. So if I perform, I get a reward, all right? You get a little older and get in school, and Dad says, hey, for every A you get, I'm going to give you $5 for every A. Wow, if I perform, I get a reward. It goes into high school, 
into college, even at work. The harder we work, you know, the more money we make. That's not even true anymore. Anyway, the more money we make and you get promotions, if I perform, I get a reward. Amen? Long came Jesus. Mixed everything up. Jesus says, I come to show you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come to give you life and to do it more abundantly. Not just physical life, eternal life. Here it is. It's yours. It's a gift. And then he said, would you act like a son of God? Would you act like the daughter of God? Not to get the reward, he already gave it to you. You see how backwards Jesus was. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you that your word helps us to understand more and more that you truly are a God of love. That in every case that it is possible that you can do without violating your great love and the freedom of choice, you do it. We see what you are when we look at Jesus and begin to understand. I pray, Father, that it won't be that much longer. I think the enemy... And even myself have had enough choices that I've picked the wrong way. I want you to take my choice forever. I want you to seal it for time and eternity. And I thank you for showing me your love through your son Jesus. Bless each and every person here. May they leave with a better understanding May they have a smile on their face because they know God loves them. And maybe someone else will want to know why they are so happy in a world, Father, that is a terrible place to live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.